Hello everyone, my name is Jim Babbles, Workplace Relations Legal Officer, and here today I have me with Maddie White, Workplace Relations Advisor. Morning Maddie, how are you going? Morning Jim. Now Maddie, today we're talking about um, stopping sexual harassment at work and the new stop um, orders regime. Yeah, so Jim, there's been a lot of discussion recently about sexual harassment and new stop orders. Can you discuss some of the background? Yes, of course. I guess historically, let's just start from there. Sexual harassment has been viewed, viewed essentially from the prism of being an issue, I guess, of one, criminal law, for instance, you know, sexual assault type cases, and two, discrimination with the uh, Sexual Discrimination Act applying. I guess the former obviously has had a very serious prism to it, and that is, uh, and it really is a topic that has much to do with criminal justice. Whilst the latter has addressed issues of sexual harassment and discrimination through the Sex Discrimination Act of 1984. And essentially this makes conduct of a discriminatory nature based on, on sex illegal. And for instance, this would cover, I guess, discrimination of the following. Uh, you know, um, discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation, uh, discrimination on the grounds of gender identity, discrimination on the grounds of intersex status, uh, discrimination on the grounds of marital or relationship status, uh, discrimination on the grounds of pregnancy or potential pregnancy, as well as discrimination on the grounds of breastfeeding, and lastly and most importantly, uh, discrimination on the grounds of family responsibilities. Can we assume that accepted definitions in the SDA have always been accepted in, say, workplace relations, industrial relations anyway? Yes, of course. I guess most policies and codes of conduct um, have accepted sex discrimination and by inference sexual harassment as illegal and by extension serious misconduct and discriminatory. Uh, for instance, um, a, a case, a, a recent case, Vitality Works Australia Proprietary Limited v Yelda number two, a, a New South Wales um, case. New South Wales Court of Appeal decision actually uh, reinforced that um, you know if we use you know jokes and innuendo such as you know what is horseplay, um, jokes with double meaning are not immune from being characterised as sexual harassment. Can you elaborate on this? Of course, uh, Miss Yelda was employed by the Sydney Water Corporation as as a customer liaison officer, and she agreed to have her photo taken for a work health and safety campaign that was being created by Vitality Works. Uh, when Miss Yelda saw the poster with her photograph uh, on it, she felt humiliated and offended. The slogan above her photograph read, um, in quotation, feel great, lubricate. Uh, the poster was placed outside the lunchroom and the men's toilet area at, um, at the workplace. Miss Yelda then brought proceedings in the New South Wales Civil Administrative Tribunal, or NCAT for sure, you know, the equivalent of VCAT here in Victoria, alleging that she had been sexually harassed and discriminated against as a result of the poster. And this really, from her perspective, contravened the Anti-Discrimination Act of 1977, which is a New South Wales Act. Um, NCAT accepted that uh, the sexually suggestive jokes and comments contained a double meaning or double entendre and constituted other unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature. At first instance, NCAT found that the Sydney Water Corporation and Vitality Works sexually harassed Miss Yelda in contravention of the Act by displaying the poster. Sydney Water Corporation was also um, found to have discriminated against Miss Yelda on the grounds of sex by subjecting her to detriment since he treated her differently to male employees and this caused Miss Yelda to be offended and humiliated.
Um, she was essentially awarded $200,000 in general and aggravated damages, uh, with Sydney Water and Vitality Works ordered to pay essentially an apportioned $100,000 or 50% apportionment each. In assessing damages, NCAT also accepted that by reason of the display of the poster, Miss Yeld had suffered serious and prolonged pain and suffering and injury to her feelings. Uh, Vitality Works also claimed that its conduct did not amount to other unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature. Uh, Vitality Works um, also argued that whilst Miss Yelda did not specifically consent to the use of her photograph on the poster, the failure to obtain informed consent was not relevant to any sexual harassment claim because it was not conduct of a sexual nature. Surprise, you know, surprise, surprise, this, this didn't really fly. Uh, the New South Wales Court of Appeal disagreed and concluded that Vitality Works conduct was plainly unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature. It was also found that it was irrelevant that the poster was not sexually explicit in nature and that any sexual message or, you know, inferences um, was that was conveyed as a joke from their perspective through a double meaning. The Court of Appeal held um, that the poster really was sexual harassment, even though Vitality Works did not intend to sexually harass Miss Yelda. Uh, and this matter, I guess, really elaborated, I guess, how we would define sexual harassment, as well as what norms must now be considered. Tim, can you elaborate on this? How would we define sexual harassment and what can you say about norms? Yeah, yeah, great question. Essentially, um, accepted definitions um, have really haven't changed, I think. In short, sexual harassment refers to uh, an unwelcome sexual advance, an unwelcome request for sexual favours or other unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature in circumstances where a reasonable person would consider that the person harassed would be offended, humiliated or intimidated. Uh, it would also be unlawful for any workplace participant, for instance, an employer, an employee, a contractor or a partner in a partnership to engage in sexual harassment with a, uh, you know, another workplace participant. Uh, and conduct of sexual nature includes, I guess, physical touching, the making of sexual suggestive comments or jokes, and the sending of sexually explicit images, say, via electronic media, photos, um, emails, etc. In determining whether sexual harassment has taken place, uh, you know, we really also need to consider, you know, what, what are the personal circumstances, background, relationship between the parties, uh, as well as any other relevant circumstances. Uh, in relation to the norms, uh, we, are, we, I guess, uh, Maddie, we're really talking about, you know, societal norms, and these are not just really issues of ideology or conflicting industrial standards as they stand today. Uh, for instance, in the Vitality Works decision that I just referred to earlier, the Court of Appeal importantly noted that in determining, uh, I guess, objectively the particular conduct and what meets the definition of other unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature, context was everything and i guess the meaning of language changes over time as does society as as societal norms and this would include common understandings about what is and is not conduct of a sexual nature have employees and government considered these societal changes yeah absolutely i must also point out that these issues really were in the broader discussion years prior to the vitality works definition so it's been going on for some time uh, for instance a national survey conducted by the Australian Human Rights Commission between April and June of 2018 confirmed that sexual harassment in, in broader Australian workplaces is actually quite uh, widespread and pervasive. And uh, the, the figures are actually concerning, so, which you know, essentially is one in three people will experience sexual harassment at work you know, in the last five years prior to this, so back to 2013. 
The survey, I guess, also revealed, I guess, some key findings. Number one, two in, in five women, or approximately 39%, and one in four men, or around 26%, have experienced sexual harassment at work in the last five years. Secondly, four out of five people, or 79%, um, identified were sexually harassed by a male harasser. 52% of workers who identified as LGBTI, or um, as well as 53% of um, Indigenous uh, workers and 44% of workers, you know, with a disability reported being sexually harassed at work, you know, in the last five years back to 2013. Uh, thirdly, young people, you know, aged between 18 to 19 were more likely than those in the age groups to um, hire to have experienced workplace sexual harassment in the last five years. Four, uh, fewer than one in five people, 17% made a formal report or complaint in relation to workplace sexual harassment. Six, uh, almost one in five people who made a formal complaint or report were labelled as a troublemaker, were ostracised, victimised, ignored by colleagues, and in, and in many instances, just resigned. Seven, one in, in one in five came, uh, cases, the formal report or complaint brought no consequence for the perpetrator, and where there was, I guess, some consequences, it almost was, you know, unanimously um, a verbal warning. Didn't go further than that. And lastly, um, while more than one in three people have witnessed or heard about the sexual harassment of another person at their workplace, um, you know, a very small figure, uh, probably close to about 30%, you know, took, you know, some action to try to, you know, address, you know, this harm. What followed this? Uh, the AHRC, um, which is the commission I referred to earlier, um, then titled a report called Respect at Work, a National Inquiry into Sexual Harassment in Australian Workplaces. And uh, this report was, you know, was um, introduced essentially. Um, this report was led by the Australian Sexual Discrimination Commissioner, Kate Jenkins, and the then Minister for Women, uh, Kelly O'Dwyer. The purpose of the report was to address sexual harassment in Australian workplaces, focusing on the nature and pervasiveness of sexual harassment, what really are the drivers of, of harassment, and what measures, you know, we will need to look into trying to address it and, and rectifying sexual harassment in the workplace. The inquiry, um, I guess, listen, was probably in the context of the Me Too movement, as well as the recognition of, I guess, the the harm and the broader IHNS issues uh, and work cover issues that sexual harassment in Australian workplaces brings. Um, the report was delivered in uh, March of last year, so um, probably crossed over a little bit with the Mental Health um, Royal Commission as well. And Commissioner Jenkins advised that the current legal and regulatory system really is just not fit for purpose. And I have heard this about the Mental Health Royal Commission report as well, and that a, a new model would have to be introduced, which is victims focused and obviously looking at, I guess, broader issues of gender. Uh, Commissioner Jenkins also stated that, you know, and I'll quote this, sexual harassment is not exclusively a woman's issue. It is a societal issue, which, you know, every Australian um, uh, workplace must contribute to. Jim, what did the report conclude? Listen, I guess, Mandy, overall, there were 55 recommendations, and, and listen, it, it's, I guess, a report in its own right, or a podcast in its own right, to address them all. But essentially, the report um, made um, provisions for specific amendments to the Fair Work Act, the Sex Discrimination Act, um, and um, also the Harmonised, or the Commonwealth Harmonised uh, WHS Act of 2011. Obviously, in Victoria, we, ha we have a different regime, which is the OHNS Act of 2004, which largely mirrors up, but there are some key differences. 
the key legislative amendments to the Fair Work Act and its associated regulations uh, also would um, were also discussed, and obviously there were some changes and three key changes. One, definition of serious misconduct in the Fair Work regulations would have to be amended to include an express reference to sexual harassment. Two, sexual harassment is to be expressly listed as a valid grounds for dismissal for the purpose of an unfair dismissal application. And lastly, the Fair Work Information Statement is to include an additional guidance on sexual harassment, which would also then be subject to agreement by the Fair Work Ombudsman. Uh, the federal government also accepted wholly um, in principle, I guess the following recommendations around the Sex Discrimination Act, and uh, there were four key components. Number one, sex-based workplace harassment um, and creating or facilitating uh, an intimidating, you know, um, and hostile environment on the basis of sex is to be expressly pro uh, prohibited. Secondly, any conduct that might amount to victimize victimization um, that forms the basis of a civil action uh, would be um, grounds for unlawful discrimination. Thirdly, uh, the current exemptions in relation to state public servants are to be removed. Um, and this would also, I guess, be broader to the administrative apparatus of, of parliament as well. And lastly, uh, the time to make an unlawful discrimination claim is to be extended as well, and that's extended to 24 months. Um, also, the recommendations in relation to work, um, work health and safety or WHS or, or IHNS and its associated instruments have been wholly approved as well. And this is, I guess, number one, to, to amend the Safe Work Act model work health and safety regulations to deal specifically with the psychological effect of sexual harassment in the workplace. And secondly, to introduce, I guess, a code of pra uh, practice on how we manage those, those um, particular psychological and mental health risks as well. And this would cover sexual harassment in the workplace. I understand that legislative changes have now occurred. Yes, they have. Uh, on uh, 11 September 2021, the Sex Discrimination and Fair Work Act or Respect at Work Amendments to, uh, were made and commenced operation. The long-awaited enactment of the legislation is a critical step, I guess, forward, particularly for victims. Um, government and Parliament, when they were discussing this, uh, I guess um, it did stop short somewhat in terms of imposing a duty on employees to take, I guess, steps and reasonable steps to prevent workplace sexual harassment. And, and I guess in that respect, uh, Maddie, the, the burden and the overarching um, requirement still continues to remain on victims of sexual harassment uh, to essentially complain about the process. And, you know, this obviously, unfortunately, will still have some degree of cost and risk in, in terms of protecting themselves from, from harm. Um, but the Act does give effect to, I guess, the legislative amendments um, as well. And the respected, um, the respected work report provides a suite of recommendations to, impo to improve the legal um, and regulatory framework relating to sexual harassment in Australia. For instance, the Act now um, if we would look at this, I guess, introduces, um, you know, we, we can broaden this out to the Sex Discrimination Act, uh, introduces a new ob um, objective clause in the Sex Discrimination Act, which provides that, um, you know, sexual the Sexual Discrimination Act aims to achieve, as, as far as practical, the equality of opportunity between men and women. And this amendment is in response to the respect at works, finding that gender inequality, I guess, is still a key driver and issue around workplace sexual harassment. Uh, secondly, it will insert a new provision in the Sex Discrimination Act to make it explicitly clear that it is unlawful to harass a person based on their sex. 
Uh, thirdly, it expands the coverage of the Sex Discrimination Act to also include, um, you know, people who work in Parliament, for instance, and the judiciary. Uh, four, it clarifies that victimising conduct can form the base of a civil action for unlawful discrimination, in addition to, I guess, uh, criminal complaints. Uh, five, it extends the time periods uh, where one can file a harassment complaint to two years. Um, so that that's also quite important. And you know, we obviously addressed that a little bit earlier as well. And lastly, just, um, you know, it will also allow, and this is very, very important, the Fair Work Commission to make stop sexual harassment orders uh, to prevent sexual harassment in the workplace, irrespective of whether the harassing conduct occurred once or on multiple or I guess on numerous grounds and occasions. Um, I guess that also the regulations um, have in, in the Fair Work Act have also been amended to provide expressly the, you know, that um, sexual harassment can be a valid reason for dismissal uh, around the serious misconduct provisions in the Act. And this amendment, I guess, just really, I guess, at the end of the day, clarifies what was the existing position at law anyway, which it always had operated for some time, but really now codifies it, and that is very, very important. And what about the stop orders? Yes, yeah, so, uh, the changes to the Fair Work Act will enable the Fair Work Commission to make an order to stop sexual harassment in the workplace as part of its existing um, anti-bullying jurisdiction. And in line with the existing regimes, orders that are limited to stop conduct at work. There has been some criticism, I guess, to a large extent, or observations that the meaning of at work is not really defined and might be subject to interpretation. And based on existing case law about the meaning of the phrase, I guess it still is a little bit unclear whether sexual harassment that occurs on social media um, uh, or at work-related events, you know, Christmas parties, for instance, or, um, or during travel or work functions will be covered. Um, I, I think they will, but you know there, there might be some question marks about that in terms of interpretation. Uh, additionally, in order to make the order, the Fair Work Commission must be satisfied that the harassment has occurred and that there is a risk of future harassment at work. And this means that there are conceivable situations where an employee who has experienced, I guess, maybe what might be uh, one-off um, conduct uh, may not be eligible, you know, to for this particular stop work um, or remedy, even where the sexual harassment has occurred in the employer's an ongoing fear of sexual harassment reoccurring. Can you foresee an interpretation and implementation issue because of this lack of clarification on what at work is? Yeah, I think as I covered a little bit earlier, potentially yes, but I guess um, employers and our members can take the same view that the existing bullying harassment policies have had and apply a broad approach, so I don't see that not occurring here. Any final thoughts for us and our members? Listen, I think members need to just be really vigilant and specific. I guess what I would probably be suggesting is a broad investigative uh, and positive duty approach is necessary. And this may mean that policies and practices and, and training essentially about sexual harassment will need to be reviewed and implemented. And I guess finally, I guess what I mean is sexual harassment is a workplace hazard. And, um, you know, we really need to have a, a broader approach about limiting the risks. It is also discriminatory and the, effect, the effects of it can lead to work cover claims and therefore a really broad approach really is essential. Great, thanks Jim. Thanks Maddie.